0: Hey church, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to uh, the Annex. We have never uh, had church in this facility before. Uh, you probably can't tell this a- a- on camera, but it's like, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a 100 million thousand square feet. It's massive. Um, and it looks like we're filling it. We're not. We're dwarfed in this room, but we're having a good time. And uh, we are so glad that you joined us. I am really, really excited about this sermon. And here's the reality, full disclosure. um, This is not a sermon I wrote for church. This is actually a presentation I wrote to close out a funeral for my friend last week. I led a memorial service for a dear friend of mine, and I led it on my birthday the dad turned 43, um, and I mean, I, I, I wanted, I wasn't gonna miss the memorial uh, for anything, and uh, was there in the suburbs of Seattle. And we had an amazing opportunity to honor our friend and celebrate his life and his legacy in his third bout of cancer. He passed on to eternity. And uh, I was asked to kind of emcee and, and host the memorial and then make some closing remarks. And in making these closing remarks, um, it just dawned on me like, hey, this is. Um, far be it from us to need a, a memorial service and a funeral for a friend to remember what life is really all about. So, full disclosure, this is one of those sermons that kind of just came out of my heart, my life, thinking about my friend, thinking about what really matters. Uh, and so, I want to share it with you. The title of the message is "The Wonder and the Way," the the, the two things that life really is all about: the wonder and the way. What is life actually about? That's an interesting subject, and the reason for that is because we live in an information age, right? In the information age, everybody is a poet, everybody's a philosopher, everybody's a theologian, everybody is, like, making their own bumper stick stickers and putting them on their cars. Like, everyone has a concept about life. Go to your local Starbucks, your local Blue Bottle, wherever you like to get your caffeine, wherever you like to get your pick-you-up, okay, and you can sit with someone, and somebody is going Going to philosophize with you, right? Welcome to the age of Twitter and Instagram where everybody wants to be quotable, right? Everybody wants to. Here's one of my favorite takes on life. This is one of my favorites. Life is about living. <laughs> wow. You know, like, like I love that one. That's a good one. You know, um, here's another one. Life is about not Giving up. Like, but you know, think about it for a second. You're like, okay, so if I determine not to give up, I've done it. That's life. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't, it might be, it might be a little bit more than that. Here's another one. This is very popular in our culture. I'll tell you what life is. Life is about giving back. That's life. And you're like, giving back to who? To where? To when? That is life. everybody wants to tell us what life is. Life is about living. Life is about giving. Life is about breathing. Life is about water. Life is about life is about pleasure. Life is about fun. Life's about purpose. Life's about meaning. Life's about life. Life is life and Keep living and live your life. And that's what life is. And life is one day at a time. Life is one step at a time. Life is just taking your time. Life is about no time. Life is about my time. Life is about everybody's time. Time is no time. We're not really here and nothing's happening today. I was driving down Venice... I was driving in Venice and, 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 and a sign, and I love this sign, is, it, it was quoted. It was actually like 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 stenciled in an actual window of a real store. And, and 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 it read as I dropped my boys off at school today, it, it, it read, I'm not sure that any of this is actually happening. <laughs> and I was like, Well, boys, have a wonderful day. You know, like, <laughs> That's where we're at. In Venice, okay, um, that's where we're at. I'm not sure any of this is happening at all. What, 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 what is life, right, and, 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 and what are we doing? As I stood at my friend's funeral, I asked the question to the audience, um, what's most important? what should we actually expend our energy and time on and no matter what anybody tells you the most valuable thing in life is not what you have on your back it's not what you drive it's not where you sleep it's not what's on your wrist it's not the rings it's not your hair it's not the color of your eyes and they're stunning but but that's really not what it is life is is not about those things because those things are those they're changeable and they're fleeting and they don't last and 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 we're sitting on the, the edge of the fragility and frailty of life at a memorial and everyone is contemplative and everyone, and I actually asked the audience, I said, can we not wait for another funeral and memorial to consider what really matters? Isn't it funny how much we spend time during our days? The most valuable thing, I didn't finish that last thought, is your time, by the way, it's your time, it's your energy. It's the the most valuable commodity that God has given you, right? So that's why guys like me and gals like me who who do this, who are preachers and teachers of the story of Jesus, I think we actually should not um, uh, shame people into church attendance. We should just thank them when we see them. Because the most valuable thing you have is your time and you chose to spend it here Now, some of you are second-guessing your decision. I understand that. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, But, but, but you've given the most valuable thing in this moment. Every single person that watches on our app, every single person that t- types in the pastor chat, every single person that reaches out, every person that gives a dollar, can you imagine how valuable that dollar represents time, energy, and effort, compensation through work? And they're giving that freely. They're in, it leaning in and involving themselves in community from where I sit and from where I can see. That is just about the most valuable thing in the world. I'm gonna think about how much time and energy I spend on things that don't actually last or matter. And if you're like, you know, maybe you're sitting here going, "Judah, I, this boy, this message is not going to apply to me because, fr- quite frankly, I spend every ounce, every little look and cranny of my time and energy on only things that are eternal." Well, then, you know, give this message to somebody who doesn't always do that. That would be me. I am. I, I have deep consternation over sports teams that I love that don't win. I question the existence of God every football season. You know, like, I, 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 I care deeply about fashion. And I could argue that fashion does matter because it adds value to people and people feel better and that's better and they're eternal and that's great. But, okay, so I can make a case for fashion very quickly, but we're not gonna go there. We're not gonna go there. But it is true. I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm gonna wear or what's on sale at Zara because preachers and sneakers won't let me wear anything that costs a lot of money anymore. And that's fine. That's wonderful. Right? So, so what really matters though, right? Like I think about us guys, like how much time we spend on our facial hair for goodness sake. Think about what we spend time on. And I'm not I I'm down, like do it, do the facial hair, whatever, that's awesome, right? But but like it occurs to me that oftentimes the little things in life that are so precious and valuable are eclipsed by big, massive things that or we think are big and massive. Like here's a big one: career. Now, if you want to be a preacher someday and you want people to listen to your sermons, teach them about how to have a better career and everyone will download your sermon. <laughs> it's proven. If I got up here tonight and said, I am going to teach you how to be successful in your career. Now, some of you are probably smart enough to be like, you know what, Judah, like as a preacher, I'm not sure if you're the best career coach, <laughs> to be honest, man. like, I think actually like, there's other people who could help me with that. I'd like you to tell me the story of Jesus. Now, I would applaud that because that's certainly how I feel. My job is not to improve your career. In fact, part of my job sometimes is to ruin your career by introducing you to a person who might lead you elsewhere. He might go, you're done here. And you're like, but I had a lot of money here. And he's like, yeah, it's not the point of life. So I'm going to move you over here. You know how many friends I have who walked away from millions of dollars to live in the middle of nowhere to love and serve a small community somewhere on this earth? All because they decided to follow Jesus. I promise you, church, church home, I am not your guy for career coaching and success steps and keys. You got the wrong guy. I'm not that guy. By the way, like, think about my career. It's not like I'm a big entrepreneur business guy. I am a teller of the story of Jesus. So I'm quite literally, my resume doesn't even qualify me to be your career coach, okay? I worked at a golf course, and a church. Those are my two jobs. That's it. And by the way, I quit. Well, I didn't quit. My mom told me to quit the golf course job because I was becoming a janitor at the church my parents started. So there's my life. I don't even remember deciding to work for the church. My mom decided for me. Okay. So like, I'm not your career guy. I'm just not. Oh, and by the way, we at church home like to focus on things that really matter. Does your career matter? Yeah, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as other things. Like um, relationships, care, empathy, compassion, your neighbor. Isn't it weird to consider that your neighbor in the economy of God matters more to him than your career? You loving your neighbor matters more to God than you loving your career. Did you know that? And that's hard for us to digest because we're like, God, I'll serve you forever if you get me this one. Okay, I nailed that job interview. Get me this job. And I want you to know that your heavenly father is so proud of you. And he was there in that job interview and he thinks you're adorable. And he thinks it's the cutest thing in the world that you want that job and he's for you and he wants to help you. But I want you to never forget the fact that he cares more how you treat your neighbor than how you treated that job interview. It just does, right? But- These are things we don't want to wrap our arms around when we read the New Testament narrative because they kind of, how should I say, they pull at the seams of the American dream, don't they? Because we want to spend time on what Americans spend time on. And what we spend time on is career, renown, reputation, championships, blue ribbons and gold medals. Who are we? We're Americans. Right, I mean, I was on a Zoom call with an Olympian the other day, with a, and I, I didn't know her, but I was on with a friend who was doing some coaching for some athletes and Olympians, and so I was just kind of there, and they asked me to share a few things, and she was ta- talking about the Olympics, and, and I mean, I could hear it in her tone, and if you've ever been an Olympian to represent this country, like, you go to win gold in this country, and if you come home and you don't win gold, you don't get sponsorships. We don't sponsor silver and bronze medalists. We sponsor gold medals. You want to deal with Wheaties, win the gold. <laughs> or America, right? And we're foolish if we're going to sit here right now, church, we're going to practice our faith and pretend that that culture hasn't invaded our belief system. Fighting cultural wars propagated by Ooh, man, I feel feisty today. <laughs> Fighting cultural wars propagated by news outlets whose number one priority is to make money, not tell the truth or heal a country. And instead of winning the culture, we're fighting cultural wars. We need to be winsome. We need to bring people together. That's who we are. We ought to be the people in the streets, marching for humanity. That's who we are. That's our message. That's who, that can't be colluded by politicians and policymakers who also want to keep their position of power as long as they possibly can. That's not how the kingdom of God is oriented. And so that's not how we function. So when we gather in these sacred moments, we have gathered one with another, not to pontificate on and on of how we can continue to prop ourselves up in this culture and make ourselves more important than others. That's not the goal. The goal today is not that I can just get you more money. Now, more money is better than less, I think. Sometimes, maybe. God's never against money. He's He speaks against the love of it. So tonight's not about money. It's not about these arbitrary things that are important, but can we distill it? Can we find a way tonight and today as you're watching this to kind of go, What? what, what are we drunk a little bit? on these days are we inebriated a little bit with the culture we're surrounded by have have I become inebriated with social status and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook that was kind of fun when Facebook and Instagram went down I kind of thought it was, I, apparently they lost 50 billion dollars and people are like that's terrible and I'm like or it's also wild that that's how much money they lost in like 48 hours how much money do they make? You know, and I'm like, Twitter was like number one again. It was like 2009 all over. You know, it's like, Twitter, you're back. You know, like, never mind. But what a wild day! It's funny. I was making a joke about Twitter on that day. Everything crashed, and I, I said, I hadn't been on Twitter since 06 or whatever. And someone was like, it wasn't invented till like 08 or 09. Do you know that? And I was like, no way. Think about these new, brand baby new concepts that are consuming our everyday life. They're in technological inventions that now are affecting us at the deepest eternal soul level. Oh, we are drunk. Are we not? Now, we may not be stumbling around and slurring our speech, but I would dare say we're just as inebriated as that. And when it crashes, everyone, I mean, can you imagine? Did you get text messages like I got text messages? It was as if Jesus Christ of Nazareth split the sky with two tattoos on each thigh on a white horse and was returning for all his children. That's what it felt like. And everyone's like, did you hear? And I'm like, what happened? Facebook is down. Instagram is down. Satan is winning. You know, it's like, I don't know, bro. I think we might have overplayed our hands here. I think this is, I think we're a little, this is too much. This is too much. So what is life about? I need these moments. I need to sober up a little bit. And I don't want to just meander through life and just accept whatever whatever the culture says as the norm. It's now normal to freely share your opinion with almost like perfect strangers. I was playing golf with a guy I do not know, and boy, did he feel the liberty to tell me everything he feels about this country and how he thinks people should live and how he thinks other people groups should act. And I said to him, wow, you sure got a lot of solutions in this tiny, itty-bitty little golf course in the middle of nowhere in the United States of America. You should run for president, sir. Everybody's opinions are the size of Texas. And everybody's desire to learn is like the size of a postage stamp. It's wild, isn't it? So what's this for? What are we doing here? Is it just about who can win, who can get ahead, who can be a big deal, who can get a reality show, who can be famous, who can be? Is that, is that what we're doing? Because sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? And if you're in my world and you're a preacher, it can feel like the same thing. Preachers just trying to get podcasted and preachers trying to get popular and preachers trying to get heard and preachers trying to get like, oh, we are, we are not exempt from this just as a knee break as everybody else. Preachers' Instagrams are promotion feeds just as much as anybody else's. So what are we doing, man? What are we doing? And do we need another friend to pass away? Do we need more grotesque injustice towards our black and brown brothers and sisters in the streets of this country to make us wake up again and ask ourselves, what are we doing? What are we doing? And where are we going? And why are we going so fast? Right? I mean, I heard somebody say, we're supposed to travel at the speed of life, but now we travel at the speed of light. Everybody wants to act like they can keep up with everything all the time. And no wonder we have the teachings of Jesus that seem so counterculture because he wants us to slow down and listen to the heartbreak of our neighbor. And we're busy trying to procure, trying to recruit, trying to gather groups of thousands who will follow us on the Internet because that makes me feel better. What's funny is we espouse these concepts, but none of them are working. Isn't that funny? I I got friends who have millions of followers on Instagram, and it's not made their life happier. In most cases, it's done the exact opposite of what we're told. Some of you in this room and some of you watching have lived long enough to know it's true. Right? Probably one of the best theological statements ever. Thank you, Biggie. More money, more problems. More followers, more problems. More social media platforms, more problems. I'm not against applications. I'm not against platforms. I'm just saying, what are we doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So what's life to you? Why are you sucking oxygen on planet Earth? I mean, for real. From where you're watching right now, or from where you're sitting in this gargantuan airplane hangar near the airport of LAX. Apparently, this is owned by United Airlines, and this is where they repair their 747s. <laughs> but here we are. And I want to ask you, for real. Like, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to right now? You ever ask that question? Has this happened to you lately? Stuff's been going so fast and so wild. Uh, last night, I was at Red Robin. How weird is that? But Chelsea's on, like, a detox, so she wasn't going to eat. So I was like, kids, where do you want to go? And they're like, Red Robin. We called the Dirty Bird Red Robin. Shout out to Seattle, Lake Union. If you know, you know. That's the first Red Robin. We called it the Dirty Bird. I used to go to the original Red Robin when I was 16. I don't want to brag. My buddy literally was the Red Robin. He, like, dressed up in the Red Robin suit. Don't get me started. I know Red Robin. Okay, the Dirty Bird. We went to the Dirty Bird last night, and I'm eating, and I thought, I'm really excited about something, but I couldn't remember what it was. Has that happened to you lately? You're like, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to something. And you're like, was it the Thousand Island that's coming? Was it the campfire sauce? If you know, you know. It's the same as the Chick-fil-A sauce. But anyways, campfire sauce for my extra crispy sweet potato fries because sweet potato fries do not affect my body the same way as regular fries. (laughs) Right? This is not an accident, like, doing that. You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I couldn't remember what I was excited about, man. I couldn't even remember. I was like, I don't. Has that happened to you lately, too, though? Furthermore, like, you go, like, I don't know what I'm excited about. It's crazy, I'll order things on Amazon to have something ex- to be excited about. I've been there a hundred percent. You think I'm joking like, oh, I got, I got a little, little statue that I'm proud of and it's kind of a collector's item. And so I was like, I'm gonna get like a glass box for it. And then I looked up the prices. I was like, I'm gonna get a plastic box for it. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do, right? And I was like, oh, I can't wait for the plastic casing for my little figurine. That's an, I'm a grown man. I'm 43 and this is what it's come to. I'm ordering figurines and plastic boxes to be happy, right? Like, come on, what are we doing? And what is life? I start thinking about that and I ponder that and I wonder, man, if we could sit my heroes here, right? I mean, I think about Dr. Martin Luther King. If Dr. King was here, he would tell us like, well, what is life really all about? Wouldn't it be great if we had Mother Teresa sitting here? Oh, man, she would, now she could tell us what life is really about. We know Jesus is here, but sometimes I wish he was tangible, physical, manifest Jesus, right? And we could ask him what is life about. But I want to put somebody who's dead in this chair, so you're going to have to use your imagination, I wanna put King Solomon in this chair and I wanna read some of his final words on this planet. And here's why. Because I think Solomon would have some parallels to our modern culture and here's why. Solomon had all of the gold. He had all of the glory. He had all of the girls and he actually knew God and he was really, really wise. Now I'm not saying that Solomon was perfect. He was a piece of work and he was a nightmare sometimes. But Solomon, they argue other than the incarnate living God, Jesus Christ, had more wisdom than anyone who's ever lived and more exposure and more experience and more perversion and more pleasure and more parties and more, you know, you do the math, okay? So what we're gonna do, we're gonna sit Solomon here. We're gonna ask Solomon for the next 15 minutes or so, and I'll be done. We're gonna ask Solomon what life is really all about. There's a timer at the back of the room, and I don't know when it started because it's counting down, and it says I have five minutes left, and I can assure you I will go longer than five minutes. Can anyone tell me the amount of time that started with? Was it 30? Was it 40? Was it, it was 30. Okay, all right. Now everybody calm down. Now we're better. If it was 50, I was like, oh, boy, we're done. All right, this is bad. This is bad. Josh took all my time not being willing to be generous with his company. All right, so we'll go about 15, 15 more minutes. Solomon says this, regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, I, I want you to go easy. Solomon's, he's, he's sitting right here. Okay. I want you to go easy. There's no end to the publishing of books. Constant study wears you out so you're no good for anything else. The last and final word, the last and final word, the last and final word is this. Fear God, do what he tells you. Fear God, do what he says. Fear God, do what he tells you. Solomon Are you saying that's the whole of life? Yes. Thank you, Solomon. (laughs) Like I turn into a ventriloquist, you know, I pull out a puppet. It's like Solomon. Kidding. Um, So Solomon says, fear God, do what he says. I think kind of in that order. And he ends with this. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do into the open and judge it according, wait for this, to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. And then he puts a period and drops the mic and we all shudder at the thought that Solomon may very well be right. And if he is, we're in big trouble. He says, I want you to fear God And I want you to do what he tells you to do. Now, if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard this before. And again, this is from the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read the book of of Ecclesiastes and weren't confused, you didn't read the book of Ecclesiastes. It is the musings of a man who is so smart and so wise and so exposed and so experienced, he finds meaningless in every corner. Pointless, meaningless, vapor, empty, hollow, what? Nothing, over it, done, stupid, waste of time, don't do it, here's what you need to do. Fear God, do what he says. And remember, everything you do and the why you do it will be judged by God. God bless you, church, thanks for coming. You know, like, uh, perfect. Perfect. Translation, everybody goes home and lives terrified. So we're going to do a little exercise that's going to be very important for you. And I don't mean to insult anyone's intelligence. And I know many of you already know this and many in our church already know this, but we're going to do a little hermeneutics moment. Okay, what's hermeneutics? Don't get caught up. It sounds like a very complicated word. It's not. It's the interpretation of scripture. It's the art of interpretation, understanding how to understand the Bible. And a lot of people don't know how to do this. And so honestly, we're hurting people by just handing people Bibles and just saying, you know, God will help you. Now, he is faithful. His Holy Spirit is faithful. He is the ultimate teacher, and he does show people and reveal people things. But you actually have to learn skills to understand original language, context, interpretation is very, very important. So for instance, people will take Ecclesiastes and they'll weaponize it and use it against people. And that's what's happening right now in our country. We have weaponized the Old Testament, and we have weaponized private letters for or inside of churches amongst Christians, and we've taken it public to the world now, and we're holding the public, hurting, broken world to standards that were intended for internal family dealings with a local church. And we've weaponized the Old Testament, which was fulfilled fully and completely by Jesus. And so now our relationship to God is no longer based on rules, it's based on love and forgiveness. Here's what you got to do with the Bible. You've got to read it in reverse. You've got to read it in reverse, right? You you, you need to, the the Bible is best read reverse, not Genesis on, right? Because everything has to go through the cross now. Everything has to go through the cross now. Everything, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus has changed everything. So Solomon, when he writes these words, Solomon, when he sat in our seat, come on now, it was thousands of years before death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. So when Solomon says, fear God, do what he says, that's all he means. Just like, be terrified that he could suck the living oxygen out of your body at any moment and do what he says so he doesn't do that. And remember... He'll judge even your motives, not just your actions. And everyone's like, ah. welcome to a lot of modern evangelicalism in this country. There it is. There it is. By the way, the more we gather on our Sundays in our sophisticated suits, and the more we you know, say we believe in this party or that party in this country, we continue to prop ourselves up and pump ourselves up and make ourselves elitist. And we wonder why a broken, hurting world doesn't want to spend time with us. I don't want to spend time with us. It's so funny. I feel like Christians in this country have bigger opinions than we've ever had. And I would like to ask the question, does that sound like Jesus to you? Did Jesus run around puffing his chest with all his opinions? Jesus actually said to his puffed up chested disciples who wouldn't let kids come to him, he said, stop it. Let the kids come to me. In fact, he says, boys, if you don't become like these kids, you'll never understand who I am and what I'm doing. And a child, wide-eyed wonder, always willing to listen and learn. Think about kids like, wow. Kids, let me tell you something. When my kids, especially when my kids were younger, now they're 17, 15, and 12, and boy, do they have thoughts on life, okay? But when they were younger, they're like, really, Dad? Really, Dad? That's amazing. That's incredible. Wow, wow, right? Just soaking it in. And where did we lose that in our life of following Jesus? When's the last time you were wowed? So the word fear that Solomon uses is not, does not speak to terror, The goal here, life is not about you being afraid of God. That would mean that life's about you being afraid of your father. By the way, your earthly father, those of you that know your earthly father or don't know your earthly father, I have really, really good news. He was just a stand-in. He is a fake father compared to your heavenly one. Did you know that? Like legitimately by definition. He didn't put your lips, hips, and fingertips. He didn't choose your eye color. He didn't choose, he didn't choose that, that wasn't your dad, your, your earthly, that was your heavenly father, your eternal father, who's always known you before your parents met you. He's your author and he loves you. And he's proud of you. And he's never left. He's never gone anywhere. I was talking to a friend of mine today about connection, how life is about connection. We'll allude to that as well here in a moment. And I said, isn't it crazy that God is always connected to us? He's always there. Whether we feel it or not, he's always there. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you make your bed in hell, I'm there. You're always connected to your father and your father doesn't want you to be afraid of them. But because we don't understand scripture, We weaponize it and we turn our earthly fathers. Those are kind of like the ones that are around that we know that are kind of nice. We're like, well, they're kind of nice, but you know, my heavenly father, he's got a cosmic two by four. He's got a super long beard and he is standing there and he is ready to, that's not him. Solomon says, number one, the number one meaning of life is to be in awe. The word fear is better transliterated now because of the new covenant work of Jesus as awe. Be in awe. Be in awe. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Have you ever been taught in this country or any country that the main reason for which you exist is to be wow? How much, how little time we take to be wowed. In fact, in my school, it wasn't cool to be wild. Do you know what I mean? In my high school, and I don't want to brag or anything, but I was popular, okay? But at my high school, at my high school, you don't want to be wild at things. You know what I mean? Like, if I hit a shot in the game, gym's packed, you're not going like, yeah, yeah I hit a shot. Like, nobody does it if you're cool. You just hit a shot and you're like, what's up? You know, like, it's all good, bro, right? Like, in fact, we would tell some of the underclassmen, yo, bro, relax, chill out, bro. Act like you've been here. Think about our culture. Opposite of wow, opposite of odd, opposite of impressed. One of a, a classic American teenager, take them to some beautiful opulent tropical place and they'll be like, Oh, there's no Wi-Fi. Like, you know, we, we, we've lost the wonder. Wow, look at the lava rock. Look at the ocean. Look at the fish. Cool. <laughs> We're like, it's not even a part of our makeup and culture anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't celebrate people who are like, oh, did you see that hummingbird? We go, what? I'm going to get a hummingbird feeder. What are you, 78? I'm going to put sugar water in it and I'm going to watch the little birds come. Are you about to die? Are you going to a retirement home? You know, like, that's how we, like, we don't, we don't even like, we don't, youth, career, like bravado, we don't celebrate being awed by architecture or fish in the ocean or puppies on our couch or. What? So today I'm watching Netflix. And I'm watching, uh, it's called Moving Art. Have you seen it on Netflix? I'm sure you guys have all seen it. And, and it's, it's just, you know, more images of the earth. And then like there's music. And some of the music's just super weird. But like some of the music's great. Some of it's like jazz. And you're like looking at the Sahara and it's like jazz. And you're like, ah, I don't know if this is working for me. But um, I'm watching this one scene today. True story. This happened today. And, it, and we're in a, like the, the, the forest floor somewhere in like the deep forest or jungle somewhere. And it's, it's this really, it, the, the camera's right on the floor. And, and what we get is we get a, a sped up version. was probably weeks, right? But they do it in minutes of this little seedling that breaks through the earth, right? And starts to grow. And then, and then the ground. And I'm watching this and I'm mesmerized, right? And I'm like, wow. And all of a sudden, I saw something I'd never seen before. I was watching the ground, the floor of the forest, And it moves like it's alive with little trolls. You know, like I'm watching the troll movie, you know, and I'm like, what is that? And it's like little insects moving pieces of wood and the ground is moving and the wind is blowing. It's, you know, it's sped up. And so I'm watching and even the ground is like ocean water and it's moving and you can see it and you see the seedling, but I'm like, the ground of the forest is alive, And I was wowed by that. I was wowed by probably this big of a piece of the floor of one forest in one itty bitty little space in this world. I couldn't even comprehend why that floor was doing what it was. It looked like it was an animal alive. It was breathing. And I'm like, I mean, the seedlings cool too, but I felt like I seen that before, you know, but I was like, I never seen the floor kind of God are you? Even the floor of a forest is art. It's like a symphony of little pieces of moving parts and ants and insects. And I'm like, right, do, do, do you ever have this thought like, you know, in ancient scripture and antiquity, they thought that chaos, the ocean represented chaos. Did you know that it was like chaos? So one of the things they would say, like what made God, God is that he controlled the ocean. You know, that's why, by the way, in your Old Testament, there's like, you know, God puts your sins in the ocean. And that was like, God is like throwing your sin out into the chaos, right? That was the imagery. Now we're like, we know about the ocean a little bit, you know? And so we're like, oh, it's the ocean, you know? But like back then it was like, what? The craziest, wildest, chaotic thing was the wild waters of the seas and the oceans. And for thousands of years... Only God saw the colors of the coral and the colors of the fish and the eels and the gray whales and the whale sharks. And it was all for him. Are you not wowed? I got this new little puppy because my daughter is grown up and she's 12 and she knows how to manipulate me. And so I got a puppy. Completely unqualified to get a puppy if you know anything about me. Um, I, I think I, I would treat my actual clothes better than my puppy, but I've changed. I've changed because I'm learning. I'm like a child. Okay. Just like Jesus said. And so I'm like, I'm going to love this puppy. Right? So we got the puppy, by the way, we got him a lamb haircut. So he looks like a little lammy, and he's a multi-poo teacup, right? Which means like, he looks like a permanent puppy. My guy. Okay. I named him Louis Merle Smith, the first. Okay. Merle is a horse that I had an encounter with at uh, therapy in Nashville, and his name was Merle, and I got a whole story. I'm not getting into it, not now, okay? So I take Louie, and I'm going out to our garage. This is a few days ago. I'm going out to the garage, and if the garage door, like the little door out to the garage, if it, if it clips him like this little guy, like, he, you know, he's like seven pounds on a good day when he's eating some good amount of food, okay? And so I'm like, okay, buddy, stay right there. And so he just kind of pauses and he's learning stay and all that. And so I close the door and I get in the garage, get into the car, got to grab something. I come back in 30 seconds or less. I open the door, I come back in and I'm taken aback by this little furball, and he, all of a sudden I look down at him and he's acting exactly like he acts when I come home from a trip where I've been gone for days and I've been gone for 30 seconds. His tail is like, and he's like, and he's like jumping up and he's like, you know, and he's making those sounds. And he's like so excited. And I'm like, and I'm like, like, Buddy. I was gone for 30, so you got to get together, man. Like, this is, this is not going to be good for you long term. Like, and I, it hit me. I, I, I saw the wonder in my little puppy that God would make an animal so gregarious that when you're gone for 30 seconds, you come back like a ticker tape parade. And this dog wants to treat me like I'm the... I don't know, the championship pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers in the World Series. And he's just like, yeah! And I'd like hold him, and I'm like, and he's just like, he's heart's pounding, he's just like so excited to see me. And I think to myself, what kind of God are you that made animals like this, who love like this, and 30 seconds you're gone, you come back like you're a champion, like I slayed Goliath. Are you not in wonder? Are you not full of awe? Is it not all around you? Can I tell you some things? Don't lose the wonder just because it's always there. You know why marriages fall apart a lot of the time? Because Social media, yeah, well, okay. That's uh, that's the answer to everything. Just like Jesus is the answer to everything in Sunday school. Social media is the new answer to everything for why it's not good. Um, But fair enough. I, I, I hear you loud and clear. A lot of the reason marriages don't work is familiarity and lack of gratitude. Turn off the light. If you were in a hotel with your best friend, you would never talk to your best friend like that. Hey, talk the light. I'm tired. Or maybe you wouldn't. And you'd laugh and be like, you're an idiot. I hate you. I hate you too. I just kidding. Love you. You know, like I understand weird friendships, whatever. But like Isn't it wild? We're nice to perfect strangers and rude to the people that bear our likeness, share our DNA, and we committed a life of love to. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, your, Your restaurant's wonderful. Thanks for having us. You hadn't talked like that to your spouse in 16 years. But you'll talk to the manager of a restaurant like that. Are you not in awe that God gave you a human to live with? Are you not in awe that there's a human willing to live with you? (laughs) Don't let the little things be little. Some of you are so wrapped up in little things are little and big things are big. Actually, it's quite the opposite most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. That little organ, little organs in your body can make the biggest difference. Little things in life can make the biggest difference. Wow, I'll never forget I was on a plane and telling God that I was mad because I was going to say goodbye to my dad in Las Vegas because he was on, a, on life support and cancer had taken his life and I was going to say goodbye and I said, God, really? I mean, why do all the good guys have to go? This is ridiculous. And he said, am I not enough for you? Am I not your father? And what ended up happening in that little plane, and I've shared this so many times, y'all have heard this, Is I shifted from I lost my dad at 30 to I had a dad for 30 years and it healed me. You hear me? It healed me. It didn't take, and I've done a lot of therapy, but on that day, God was the therapist. And I just, and it was never the same for me again. And you learn the art of taking the little things and saying, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? Right? Today, my neck is stiff, but I just want to go on record to say, I'm glad I have a neck to get stiff. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I mean, for real, man. Something like, I got a sunburn. At least you got some skin to burn. Isn't it wild how quick we are? Another Tuesday. I wish it was Friday. Well, right now, Tuesday's all you got. So I say we make Tuesday better than Friday. In fact, if it's Tuesday or when, let's say Tuesday's our favorite day since it's the only day we have right now. You know what I mean? It's just, I want you to read the signs that don't have Words. Some of you only read signs that have words, but the best signs on this planet don't have words. But boy, they will signal and point you in the right direction. But the Bible says creation declares the content of his character. It actually, creation declares his glory, but glory is the essence. It's his goodness. It's who he is. It literally means that rocks and rivers and lava and volcanoes, and um, it all declares. He's big. He's powerful. He's massive. And he's in control. Be in all. First and most important thing life is about is worship. And that is exactly what we're talking about. Do you know what worship is in its essence? It's this. <sighs> wow. What is that? That's um that's a solar eclipse. Wow, how does it happen? Well, God set up the plant. Wow. We all think that worship's only Maverick City. Nah, man. Worship is watching a moon, watching the sunset, feeling a hand grab yours. Wow, the gift of touch, the feel To touch one, when you get a hug tonight from somebody, hopefully not a perfect stranger who wonders what in the world you're doing. But if you get a hug tonight, be wowed by that hug. What's more important than a hug? Not very many things, not very many things. A long list we spend our time on, not as important as a hug. Baby dies if a baby isn't touched. Hugs can be a matter of life and death. How you like them apples? You can live without that Instagram. That's proven. We proved that for 48 hours and $50 mil- billion or whatever it was. Right? Like we know we can live. Touch. Live with them, man. Water, oxygen. Wow. 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 Be in awe. And then he says, do what he says. And because of Jesus, and I'm coming to a close, I'll say it like this, be in pursuit. Do you know the first name for Christians? Some of you know this. We were called people of the way. Now, it sounds like a cult in 2021, so I'm not mad at the change of title. Not totally wild about the title Christian anymore, if I could be honest. And some of you probably don't like a preacher saying that. But like, I'm kind of over it a little bit. What are you, a Christian? I follow Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus, just to be clear. It's, that's what I do. Right? Christian is a cultural connotation. Eh, I'll go with Jesus follower, but people of the way was our first name. There goes the people of the way. But I like the title because it's the second most important thing Why you're here, to be in his way, in the way he goes. And the way he walks, and the way he thinks, and the way he loves, and the way he lives. Are you in the way? Are you in pursuit? 22 years ago, when I started off this marriage with my wife, I got some great advice, and that was don't stop dating your wife, don't stop wooing your wife, don't stop pursuing your wife. Don't stop writing cards. Don't stop giving gifts. Don't stop telling her you like her earlobes, whatever. Find a new part in her body and tell her how much it means to you. Treat her like you're still dating her. That's called romance. When it comes to a relationship with God, are you still in pursuit? Has your relationship with God become a stagnant title that you claim that has very little implications on your daily activity? Have you become someone who says, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, but then goes about their life like everybody else? Are you in the way? Wow. This life down here is about competition. Competition. But to God, it's about connection. What are you more about, competing or connecting? Sometimes competing can get in the way of connecting. Which one will you choose? I can compete or connect here. You know what? I'm not going to compete with my coworker. I'm not going to try to impress the boss and try to compete and make sure they know that I'm better than him and I'm better than her. I'm going to connect. Hey, I appreciate you. I see how hard you work. You're an amazing employee, and I know we're up for the same job, but I just want you to know that I believe in you and I consider it an honor to be a coworker with you. Are you in the way? Are you about results or are you about relationship? Cuz tell you one thing, on your deathbed, ain't nobody going to care about your career results. I tell you, you won't care. You ever have kids? they won't care how many touchdowns you score. It ain't going to make no difference when you're 92 and they're 74. And you're like, but you remember, son, I scored six touchdowns my senior year at... Dad, stop. Isn't it amazing how much time we spend on results? Isn't it amazing how discouraged we get based on results? when our wealth and our riches is all around us in the form of relationships. Are you in the way? Are you about being a completed product or are you about being a curious listener? Everybody's taking stances today, but nobody's willing to take a step today. Well, you know, what I think what I think they should do. Perfect, man. You should write a letter to the White House, I guess. I mean, that's where I'm at now. I'm just like, I sit next to one more person on the plane that wants to tell me how to fix the country. I'm like, dude, you should go do it, but like I'm going to not I don't I don't know how to fix countries. I'm going to just watch my show I downloaded on Amazon Prime. I don't know if I want to have this conversation because do you, Oh, so you are you in the White House? No. Okay. I don't know if we're the right people to have this conversation. I say we pray, hope for the best, realize that this country is just as broken as any other country. And what if we just took a step today? Isn't it wild? Everybody wants to take a stance. But nobody wants to listen, learn, and take a step. Everybody's full of opinions, and very few people are open-minded, open-handed, and open-hearted. Are you in the way? Are you following Jesus? Then why don't we sound like him? I I, I always tell people, I say, you go to a, a restaurant and you don't tip anybody, don't tell them you go to church home or even know me. I say it all the time on Sundays. I did. Seattle, you know what I'm talking about. Every Sunday, man, you find me in Seattle, I'll be like, now church, before we dismiss, if y'all go out to brunch, lunch, whatever you want to call it, I got a hunch some of you aren't tipping big. So if you don't tip big, God forbid tip at all, don't tell them you know Jesus. And God forbid you leave a track instead of a tip. Please tell them that you're a part of a covenant and Satanist. Like don't tell them you know Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, let's look like Jesus. If Jesus asked one question and listened just one time, that'd be enough for all of us to just get a little bit quieter and just listen. I want to introduce you to the man who is the answer. He is the answer. His title is answer. His title is solution. His title is author and end, beginning and end, author and finisher. He is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He is the solution. He is the answer. He is everything we need in life, and yet he listens? Hey, am I the only one that wants to shake my fellow Americans who claim to follow Jesus and say, why are your opinions so big? And you're learning so small. What happened to us along the way? What happened? What's become of us? We're full of stances and opinions and results and competition. And And Jesus one of the reasons they say people didn't believe in him is because how he arrived and how he lived and how he walked. They, they thought, no, no, the Messiah will come. He will come with pomp and circumstance. He will come like with the ticker tape parade. We'll know it's him because he'll let everybody know it's him. And He can't be God because he was born in the feeding trough. and He was laid in animal food and it was in a barn and he can't be God we know he's not God because he's not wearing opulent clothing are his children now trying to arrive and walk in ways that he avoided Where's barn Christians? Where's the listening Christians? Where's the suck air and be awed by the magnitude of God in the face of a jet airplane that takes flight and you gotta stop and say, what kind of God are you to put it in the mind of finite man to learn how to defy gravity with machinery that weighs tons? Who are you? Furthermore, who am I? Have we lost the honor of one of one day of living? Are you not honored? I think we should wake up with a profound, deep sense of honor that I'm going to suck oxygen another day on this planet because I don't even know how that works. I don't know how when I exhale, it's carbon monoxide or dioxide or whatever it is. How I breathe in and breathe out. I, I don't and how the plants breathe out and then I breathe in and then the, I don't know how the ecosystem works. Are we not honored? I pray that we leave moments like this with meekness. They say a horse is meeked when a horse is broken. Are you broken? My answer would be you are, but the question is, are you aware that you're broken? Is the preacher aware that he is broken? Because if not, we are most deceived how pompous we have become. And yet, as my heart beats another beat, and another beat, and another beat, I don't quite know how it does it, but I count on it, and I'll be honest, I take it for granted every day. I mean, I'm sorry, but there's no end to enough revelations all around us for his awesomeness. So I tell you what I'm trying to practice with my friends, the art of honor. Facetime my friend today and said, I'm honored to be your brother. Told myself driving in here today to record this sermon. I am so honored to tell the story of Jesus. What a privilege. I'll go home tonight to three babies who aren't babies anymore. One is 17 going on 18. One's 14 going on 15. And one's 12 going on 29. What an honor. What an honor. I'm not going to go on to the rest of my sermon and I'm going to call it here. Because I think this is enough. I'm reminded of um, David's words: of, I'm, "I'm done. I'm I'm done." Or Elijah's going to come. We're going to worship, and I'm going to I'm going to be done. I know you're in living rooms and parks and condos all over, and you're watching. I'm I'm I'm, I'm done. David says, "I've um, I've come to your temple, Lord, to see your glory and your power." David says, for your loving kindness is better than life itself. He said, I search for you in a dry and a weary land where there is no water, but I know that you are like water for my soul. I wish tonight in this airplane hangar just on the north side of LAX, I could tell you That the drought is over, the economy will return, there will be no more sickness, disease, and God forbid the worst disease of all. There will be no more racism and classism and marginalization and oppression, but I can't make that promise. We're living in dry days. Where's the water? Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you a drink. I will show you how to take a real rest. He said, I will fill you with my spirit and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He said to the woman at the well, he said, take, drink. He says, she says, can I get you a cup of water? He says, you don't know who you're talking to because you should ask me for a drink and I would give you a drink of water and you'll never thirst again. He wasn't talking about natural physical hydration. He was talking about quenching quenching the thirst of your soul. So what is life? Much has been made of what life is. I agree with Solomon. Life is about the wonder and life is about the way. And come what may, I'm going to stay in awe and I'm going to stay right behind Jesus. And I've learned that it's caused me more pain doing that sometimes. Have you learned that? Have you learned that church? The way that Jesus goes sometimes is uphill and into the wind. And right into the storm I wish it was downhill I wish it was the wind was at my back some days it well it's been a long time since I've had one of those days but some days it feels like that but lately it's mostly uphill but see I don't follow Jesus for the hills we climb or the steps we go down I follow Jesus for Jesus So here's my guarantee. The Messiah. The fulfiller of all of the desires of all the nations. Do you know one of his titles is the desire of all nations? The fulfillment of the longing of the human soul. Do you know that he is present in this room and he is closer to you than your next breath? And he makes a promise that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You are one wealthy and you don't even know it. Don't you leave this surface, whether watching on the app or in this room feeling anything less than the wealthiest person you know. For you have the riches of all riches. It's him. Oh, how he loves you he loves you he's obsessed with you he's not mad at you he just keeps saying come on yeah but god what if it's hard you had me i'll be there i'll be there my 12 year old daughter she's like me i still don't like to go downstairs at night by myself babe you want to go with me no okay pray for me you know I go downstairs I turn on lights I'm like I'm good I'm fine I'm 43 I'm fine my baby girl she got the right dad man because she'll be like dad you go with me I'm like yes because my parents didn't always go with me let's go downstairs and get a snack together you know and I act all tough like baby don't worry I got you but the Lord knows if someone tried to break in I'd be like baby I'll see you upstairs run as fast as you can you know like catch up with me. Power of presence. Isn't that enough? He's always there. I'm done. I I preached an hour, and I don't feel one bit sorry about it. Because I'm in love, man. And I'm over all the fake stuff. I'm in love. I don't know what's going to happen to your career. I really don't. Elijah will stay and he'll pray for everyone for the next two hours for your career. But he's here. Will you close your eyes just for a moment. Whoever you are watching will you close your eyes. He's here. He's there. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want you to hear these words and I want them to sink into your soul. I want you to, I want it to sink into your soul, saturate into your soul. He says, though you make your bed in hell, I am with you. In your darkest night, in your worst moment, in your most flagrant, selfish decision, he says, I'm there. I've always been there. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. So proud of who you've become. Look at you. He's so, his face beams with approval over you. He rejoices over you. When you sleep, he beams with pride. He watches over you as you rest gives you good sleep so that you can wake up in the morning and you can walk with him again and someday he'll say it's enough and he'll take you home but you hear me you are not home you hear me you're not home church we're not home and we're not going to act like we're home because we're not home our stay here will be brief But we will make the most of it. And soon, so very soon, we will go home. And there, there will be no competition. There will be no striving. There will be no stress. There will be no pain. No one will judge you based on your appearance, your background, your ethnicity. You will be in perfect love, in radiant righteousness, and your body will be full of light, and you will be healthy, and you will be complete, and you will be whole. And oh, how I long for those days. But while I awake to another day on earth, I will walk in the wonder and the way. And I pray you too will make that same commitment wherever you are in this room or watching and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers. I want to give you the opportunity to do so. You know who you are. The count of three. If you'd like to receive, not earn, deserve, or warrant, but receive the free gift of Jesus. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. You know who you are. One, two, three. going up all over the world which is a crazy thought all over the world Jesus Jesus wonderful Jesus you have filled this wild room in LA and you are filling rooms all over the world and please receive our deepest thank you Wonderful shepherd. We love you. We love you. I don't know who I'm talking to and whether or not this goes on the recording or not is one thing, it's irrelevant. I don't know who this is for. It might be for someone watching, but there's somebody here and I don't know why I'm about to say this, but you are more focused on your sin than you are your savior. And I want to set you free to spend the rest of your days preoccupied with the one who forgave, covered, and conquered your sin. He is your Savior. So I just want to set you free right now. I want to set you free from talking about what you did in 05 or the dumb decision you made in 2011 or the dumb thing you did at the beginning of COVID and the quarantine. You listen to me. That day is over. It's over. It's dead. It's gone. It's past. Today is a new day and your savior is victorious. He is your champion. You are forgiven. You are covered. You are loved. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed all the way name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.